Hello? 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 Test one, two, three, four. Toast. <laughs> Testicles. <laughs> and we and the the microphone is on. It's everybody thinks it's at the top, but it's actually in the front right here. So when you talk, okay, dilly dilly. Like, you don't have to get like right here. Like a good neighbor, but, bread sticker is there. <laughs> but about this, and you're good. So, right. uh, episode nine. I think I'm on episode nine. I've done this. Is this will be the ninth one? Episode nice. nine. Episode nine. Everybody, please welcome. A good friend of mine, a man I've known for probably four, five, six years now. A long ass time. Uh, one of, I said this about one of my previous guests, but you too, one of the most interesting <laughs> fellas <laughs> I know and have met. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Welcome, Brian Shazari. Thank you. Shazari. I used to Shazari. I used to say Shazari. Shazari, but Brian works. Nobody really knows how to say my name. I mean, I can't even say it half the time either, so... <laughs> Just Brian. So Shazer, yeah. okay. We'll just call him Brian. <laughs> yeah. Brian is on the show today. Thank you for coming in, Dilly my Dilly. man. That's good. Ah, cheers, and that is a good beer. Good old Shiner Bach, everybody. And also, before we do get started, I want to shout out, of course, I'm wearing my Sight and See hat. My good buddy Bronson and his wife run this company uh, right outside of San Antonio. Awesome people, awesome headwear, so go get you some. Uh, we're going to order Brian some, maybe live That's on the happen. podcast tonight. Hell yeah, it's going to happen. So, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, go check him out. Site NC, site N I N C S E A. Uh, they have awesome headwear. So, just want to give them that plug. But, Brian Shazari, you are now, I've, I know your dad, and your dad is not from here. He is from. My dad is from Iran. So, That's I right. have right. the most interesting family you'll ever meet. So during the Olympics, we I, have to go for Canada. And I, do, I, I do just want to say that, like your dad is hilarious. I love. Oh, your he dad. is. He is. He is. I mean, he's been here for fifty years. He still can't speak English. His very accent well, kills me every time. He's like, oh, sorry what's if you're up? watching, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Charles. I love you, man. We love you. But he, he's straight up. Oh, what's up, man? You gonna help me with the insurance? <laughs> you tell me with the insurance. You do it better. <laughs> Hello, Brett. Please help me with the insurance. I want to save most money. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, you've been here since 1977. <laughs> At least adapt some Southeast Texas yes, slang. Yes. Every into your every time I see him, though, he like he he's like the coolest dude. He'll invite me in. We'll talk about motorcycles because he used to yeah. have a big old Harley and. Uh, then at the end of every one of our meetings or, you know, just getting together, he'll go, man, what is Brian doing, man? You need to get a hold of him <laughs> every time. Well, it's like, you know, when I was single, it was like, you know, every girl my dad would meet. Oh, hello. You meet my son. His name is Brian. You, you need to meet him, marry him. Okay. I pay for the wedding. Great. And I'm like, dad, no, let's. Move on to something Slow else. Down. It's a yeah. beautiful day outside. So, but uh, anyway, sorry to. I just had to bring up how awesome no, your dad good. is. So your your family is kind of multicultural. Big. Yeah. Time. So during the Olympics, it sucks because my mother is from Beaumont, but her family was from the UK, and they kind of intermix into Wales and Ireland and Germany and kind of all that stuff. Sort sort of the Western European. My dad's from Iran, so during the Olympics, we have to go over Canada. The UK, the US. I remember one year my mom said, is, Brian, does Texas have a team? Because I don't see them on the score list. <laughs> I'm like, no. Well, for the Olympics. They're I part mean. of the US. <laughs> so it's like, you know, so that's kind of where I sit. Like, it's multicultural. I play the bagpipes. I'm oh, very yeah. much in touch with my Middle Eastern roots. And, you know, also my British roots as well. Are the bagpipes so. a Middle Eastern? I'm going to sound super ignorant, but is that a Middle Eastern? It's not here at all. They originally were attributed to that area of, of 
you know, of the world. So they are sort of attributed to the area. Okay. Because, so, yeah. yeah, come to think of it, I have no, I always think of dudes in kilts from, like, Scotland. but Or drunk at the bar. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you're n- lucky enough to know Brian, you may <laughs> if you're watching this, I apologize. <laughs> um, but I will play her wedding. <laughs> yeah. So like, so your family is kind of from all. Yeah, it's from all mixes. Uh, um, yeah. You know, we're 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 very much deeply involved in our um, um, religious roots and all that, and the Catholic faith and everything. And so it's we really stretch a really wide multicultural view across the whole spectrum as far as religion, politics, everything else. So I have a really good unique perspective on kind of how life is, so to speak, as a young person, at least for my generation, at least as a first generation American. So, um, but, or at least first generation Southeast Texan, depending on how you see it. So, yeah, yeah. Was your mom from this area? My mom's just from Port Natchez. Port Natchez. Yeah, the great metropolis of Port Natchez, Texas. (laughs) Mama, if you're watching, that's the greatest city on the planet. (laughs) Um, But, you know, mom grew up there from a multicultural family. You know, her mother, my grandmother, was of British origin. So, you know, I've kind of got that really good mix kind of in between. So Yeah. Very cool. And you went to, did you go to Lamar? I did. I went to Lamar University. graduated in 2000. From Cathedral High School here in Beaumont. Cathedral High School, straight dude. Into Lamar. <laughs> I went to, uh, my parents made me go to Cathedral for one year. Uh, what years? Sixth grade, I went to Cathedral. I think my brother went during middle school, but like I went and I used to, uh, of course, I'm sure any kid that ever went to school did this. I would ask to go to the bathroom and I'd go walk around the campus for like an hour and a half. <laughs> That's where I know him from. <laughs> Every day. But uh, I begged my parents like after the first year like please it was like it was kind of like a trial like they wanted to see how it do because it's a, i wasn't a bad kid but they were just like we want to try private school and, yeah you know it, it's it's you know i mean of course this is not that i'm like shitting on private school no absolutely not. i just i just it was like all my friends were in public and i was in private and i was like please get me out of here that's the thing is that was, you know this was over 90 years ago when i was in high school so <laughs> um, but actually i'm going on a 20 year <laughs> the reunion. roaring 20 or how long is 90 the 30s Oh man! Yeah, something like that. But yeah, I'm 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 on my 20 year reunion this year, and it's Dang. like you know the way we put it is, is you you take what you get out of it, and for some people, private school wasn't everything, and I totally get that. So I yeah, totally yeah. respect that. You know, me, I was just yeah. kind of neutral. You know, I had my bagpipe hobbies, my weird hobbies that I still do to How this day. How long have you been playing bagpipes? I started in 1992. Oh wow! Because you're actually like legitimately really good at bagpipes <laughs> i like to think so the more you drink the better i sound oh well that's that's any <laughs> any musical instrument yeah. uh the funnier people get the better the musicians sound like that's everybody yeah so but cool. i've been playing since 1992 i learned in a band here in beaumont um i'm still with them to this day and everybody in the band is still my closest friends cool. um when i went into the coast guard in 2002 I immediately gained a collateral duty into the U.S. Coast Guard pipe band, which at that point was maybe four months old. Okay. And to this day, I'm still a member of the U.S. Coast Guard pipe band, which, you know, I'm, I'm still in the Coast Guard. So, but yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, so you are, uh, what, I know there's all different kind of terms, like there's active members, there's reserves. Yep. There's, you are. So I was active for 14 and a half years. Okay. And about five years ago, I went reserve. So what is the difference between anybody in the military that is active and reserve? <laughs> what is that difference? Active, they're like, okay, you're going to move here. 
and good luck. God be with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Bye. <laughs> so they have a little more control, I guess. Exactly. Over yeah. And I did okay. that for so long, and I was at sea for a long time, and trying to raise a family, trying to live your life ashore, so to speak, was kind of difficult for me because, you know, you know me out of everybody. You know, I like being social. I'm I'm very much involved Every, in social activities. Everybody knows you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, to me, going to sea for nine months a year, I was just like, oh God, you know, it's I'm, I'm going to miss out on everything. So, reserve is I go in once a month. I do my couple of days. I usually go in on weekdays, and you know, I I I, I do my duty. I integrate in with the active duty crew, and I help them. I train them because of my previous active duty background, and. Um, you know, I, I I do that, and I've been in total combined reserve and active. I've been in for about 19 years now. So. Wow. And I plan on going for at least 35. That's awesome. So, well, um, again, cheers. Thank you for thank your you. service to our— uh, No, it's just a, it's just a job. <laughs> but, hey, I, I, I respect it. Thank I appreciate you. it. And so when you say you go out to sea, like you're out on a boat, like in the middle of the ocean. When I was active duty, yeah, you were on a cutter, which is what we call one of our kind of bigger class ships. And, um, you know, you'd be out for, you know, months at a time. No kidding. What's that like? Um, (laughs) You establish a routine. That's your first thing. Okay. The closest I can think of to that experience is I've been on a cruise before. Okay, so, so you're, on like, a, you're on a cruise ship for a week? I so mean, it's like being on a cruise minus the alcohol and the free food. All the fun stuff. <laughs> I mean, okay. we do have free food, but you're getting charged for it, and it's not fresh, and it sucks. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. And you can't drink. So oh, excuse to me. substitute, Beer. you usually just eat and go out on the back deck and look at your friend Jimmy and say, oh, wow, you look different today. Did you comb your hair different? Okay, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then repeat that for a couple of months. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, So what did you primarily do when you were out on boats? Did you have like a certain Yeah, so, uh, um, so, so um, I was part of the command structure where I supported the analysts on board. You know, I, w- I would help, you know, kind of guide the ship as far as, you know, what kind of missions we were doing. If we had specific requests, I would support those requests. You know, kind of more like in the intelligence realm. Um, you know, if the, co- if the commanding officer had a specific duty he had to do or if he had a specific mission, I would help fulfill some of those gaps that he had. So some of the questions. So, you know, you as an individual in business, if you had a question about business intelligence, hey, what do I do to improve this product? I would come in and say, okay, this is what you've got to do. These are the steps you have oh, to follow. Almost like a consultant kind of. Yeah, it's like a consult, like a milestone action plan for you. So, And okay. that's what I do in the civilian world, too, with regards to the maritime industry. Cool. So as a, as a you know, full-time civilian now. Yeah. So. What's the longest you've ever been out consecutively at sea? Like, yeah. What's the longest? Um, for those of you that are watching that have deployed with me, I think it was probably three months at a time okay maybe okay. about two months about two or three months just so to kind of make you go okay let's yeah, go home now it's like no fresh food and you're just like oh my god it's the same people every day <laughs> and you wake up you're like hi jimmy <laughs> hey, brian hi i'm gonna get an apple from the galley and go on the back deck and eat it i'll be there okay god man sounds sounds rough for those of you to deploy you know what it's like yeah yeah oh yeah well i guess it's like any uh anybody that serves in any former capacity of the military it's like they get it you know whatever most people think deployments are insane just balls to the wall fun but i'd say in my experience i don't know i can't speak for combat veterans but 
uh, on a ship, 99.8% of the time is incredibly boring. Yeah. And, My cousin yeah. who is, uh, he's a, he's a Marine right now. He's, he's living out in Camp Pendleton in San Diego right now. He, uh, got sent over to Dubai this, uh, the beginning of this year. I think he left in February and he got back April-ish, maybe end of April. He was gone for like two months and, uh, he was able to use his phone you know, sparingly when he was over there, when he had service or when he wasn't working. And so I'd ask him like, you know, is it you can see some cool stuff? What's it like? He's like, man, we got to, yeah, we got to Dubai, and it was pretty neat. But then we drove for four hours through the desert, and he said, all I've seen are like scorpions and camels. <laughs> so it was, it was from incredibly boring. But you're, similar. you know, again, I've, I've, I've been in since exactly one week after 9/11, and. You know, I can't relate to the combat vets who have done, you know, been there and done their stuff in Iraq well, and Afghanistan. But being on a ship, it's level. like, for me, you know, I fought the war from, you know, the Pacific, and it was just like, it's it's the same kind of concept. And I'm just like, oh my god, I'm going to look at the same color or white bulkhead every day for the next couple of months in yeah. my bunk, and I'm waking up next to the guy above me who snores every night and I can't get any sleep and I hate this and yeah. they're doing gunnery exercises in the middle of the day when I'm trying to sleep. It's everybody has their own story. It's kind of monotonous. Yeah. But well, I think a lot too, of the like the combat the combat veterans that's like a whole different level. I mean it is. They they really engaging. are. They yeah. truly are. Um that I can't even begin to imagine but Oh um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, very cool. So you so you're helping the Coast Guard a little, you know, as a reserve a couple times a month and yeah yeah. So I'm I'm still doing my duty and uh, I'm transferring to New Orleans this year for my reserve unit. I'm not moving from Beaumont. So I was about panic. to say, um, are you going to drop that bombshell <laughs> no, on me I as we're moving. recording? <laughs> like I am not moving. I was going to get really sad. Uh, we're going to cut this episode short, Brian. What the? Uh, okay, so you're you know not somebody moving. else asked me on a podcast, Brian, are you moving from Beaumont? Would you ever move from Beaumont? The answer is no. I love where I live. I love where I'm from, and I think you know from everybody is that you know I I struggle with the commute you know every now and then because I work out of Houston, but you, you know I know everybody here. This is my comfort zone. It's where my family is, and it's where my friends are. You know I can come over to your house or any of my other buddies' house yeah. and just just kind of hang out. Well, you know whatever. I was I was born and raised in Beaumont, and uh, I went away for college for a few years to Dallas, lived there, yep. worked a little bit after, and. Ended up coming back because I was kind of family homesick. I missed my family a lot, and I was young and didn't you know, have a career yet, so I was able to move back. And you get some people that, that and it, it kind of gets on my nerves, you know, when they're on Facebook and they say like, "There's a reason I got out of there," and I'm just like, "Good for you." Like, you think that, yeah, yeah, but it's it's not the greatest place, but it also doesn't suck. It doesn't suck, we, and it's full of some really great people. So. Kind of aligning with what you're saying, I transferred to Hawaii in 2010. I went to Pearl Harbor, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I I was there for two about two and a half years. And the about the first six months, I'm like, oh great, this is awesome. I'm out of Beaumont. It's wonderful. But then after six months, I started missing Beaumont, mm-hmm. and I lived in downtown Waikiki, which was in the center of everything. And you think, oh my god, that's wonderful. I'd love to live in Waikiki, yeah, but yeah. you're on an island. It's constant tourists. It's it's like monotonous military work. You think you you hate Beaumont, but when you leave here, it's the people that make a difference. You know, I can walk into any restaurant or pub here in Beaumont or any bar, and I can know at least three or four people. Yeah, and that's the thing about Beaumont. It's not too big and it's not too small, and that's why I chose 
to go in the reserves for actually five years ago now is because I wanted to move home. I wanted to be active in my community. I wanted to be involved. I wanted to make a difference. And I wanted to show people that if you leave, it sucks. And people are starting to see that now. Okay, Brian, you were right. You know, I left. I went to Houston. You know, Brian, that's not 3,000 miles away like yeah, I was. Yeah. But it sucks. You know, like I thought about moving to Houston. You know, I have a job that's based out of Houston. I'm not going to move and already explain that to them. Yeah. This is my home. This is my family. This is my friends. You know, I can come over here. I can, you can come to my house and you've done yeah. that. And it's, yeah. you don't find that anywhere. And that's why I chose to root here in Beaumont. I agree. I, um, what really kind of showed me just how great of people, you know, we have. And I mean, we're like any city, you know, there's crappy people. Anywhere, oh, but anywhere. When, when I went to work in insurance and through insurance, I've met so many people like in the community, just helping them out with their insurance, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I've made friends out of insurance, like people I would have never met ever, ever, yeah. ever. And like now, you know, they're my clients, mine, but now I consider them as like friends, you Absolutely. know, and, so it's like, it, you're right, it really is the people that kind of make yeah. the... I mean, is Beaumont the perfect place? I mean, no, what place is? But, I mean, what perfect place is there? Yeah. You know, everybody said, oh, you're going to Hawaii, you're never going to leave. I yeah, was that's like, like you think of that like paradise, you After know? a week, I was like, I'm ready to get the hell out of this <laughs> I mean, it sucks. I mean, yeah. it's not that great of a place. And, you know, I mean, it's it's wonderful to visit, but you know, to the live there... The beaches are beautiful, yeah. And, and I lived on the beach. I literally lived a block from the beach, but you have to pay for that stuff. And But, you know, the it's... It's like you said, the people aren't the same. The people you meet are different. Right. And people in Beaumont, I found out, and it, I mean, this is even beating the Houston area. They're a lot more friendly. They're a lot more opening. You know, it's it's like this whole situation going on around the entire nation. There's so much strife in the country. But if you come here, it's like that doesn't even really exist here. And even economic downturns, we found out during the COVID-19 situation, you know, I thought I was going to lose my job. I'm sure everybody did. But it was like, it just, this area just prevailed and we didn't blink an eye. A lot of people trying to support local. Exactly. Yeah. It was like supporting local. We support each other. There's no race. There's no colors. And I don't want to get into politics at all, but you know, there's none of that stuff here, at least from my, from our viewpoints. And I've never experienced that. And it's just, that's part of the reason why I chose to move back home. Oh, excuse me. Well, I wholeheartedly agree with you. It's not perfect, but, uh, I enjoy, I enjoy living here. It gets a little too hot and, I get a lot. I get swamp ass oh almost God, every single day. But shit today, <laughs> I went outside for thirty minutes today. I was like, nope, I'm done. Bye. You go out to check your mail. You come back in. You're like, oh, guess I'll I'm take like, another shower. Lord Jesus, no. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Um, so okay, so getting off the coast car bit. Now I know you work in cybersecurity. I do. Yeah, I work so, for a major maritime organization. Um, we are we are probably one of the. Um, and, and I'm kind of objectively speaking, we're, 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 we're kind of the most proactive organizations in the maritime field as far as securing ships and port facilities okay. in the nation, actually throughout the world. So Okay. And just every now and then I'll How look back. How we do it on time? Oh, I don't, I, it doesn't even keep time. I just make sure to I look back to make sure it didn't like cut off or anything. Because how much would that suck? Oh, I got we're, you. We're sitting there talking for forty <laughs> minutes, and I turn around and it's not recording. Like no, I'm watching. <laughs> so um, maybe I should start having guests sit on this side so I can watch the computer. It's actually, yeah, I'm, I'm actually been keeping an eye. <laughs> yeah, on it, yeah. Um, so cybersecurity is something that is kind of intriguing to me because obviously technology is such a big part of our life now. Like. 
I got my first cell phone when I turned 18. The day I graduated high school, I turned 18. And my parents got me like that, the silver Nokia brick cell phone. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. And it had it had no caller ID. It had no texting. It literally. Hello. Let <laughs> me call you back. <laughs> that's about how big it was. And uh, and then I, we went to like. This size, yeah, tiny. But was if I would miss a call, I would just be like, "Shit!" Like, who called me? Because I had no caller ID. It would just say, "Miss call, unknown caller," (laughs) and it was ten bucks a month. (laughs) And then, (laughs) (laughs) and then, and then, flash forward to now, we've got you know like their (laughs) their you know pocket computers. I mean, you can literally hang on. Let me check my stocks. I'm doing golden. <laughs> Everything. Uh, <laughs> I got him snorting. <laughs> you got the dog going. Snort laughers are my it. favorite. Uh, <laughs> Dude, we have evolved. So when it's I went, insane. so it's funny you say this. In college at Lamar University, I started in 2000. This was 70,000 years ago whenever Noah built his ark. <laughs> and it was just like... Like, two. Lord Jesus, 70? I had this Nokia phone. Like, I would have to pack in my backpack. I was just like, what? Is, what's in there? Yeah. A cell phone? <laughs> oh, I just got to carry my cell phone in case any chicks call me. This is pre-Tinder and pre-Hinge, by the way. Yeah, so, oh, none of that. Like, you had to actually talk you to chicks. You had to actually go up to chicks and be like, I was thinking maybe <laughs> if you're not... You know, I mean, it's no big deal if you are, but, like, if you're not... I want to go to the coffee shop with you. (laughs) You want to go to the Setzer Center with me? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, and and nowadays, nowadays, like, any freaking Johnny Lunch Bucket with an iPhone can just go, like, match, sup. And 99% of the chicks don't even respond to you, so, like, I don't even know what the point is. Or they're spam, or, like, yeah. spam. It's like, hello, my name is Ivanka. I would like to meet a good man, an American. (laughs) High five. And, look, I'm not above it. When I was single, I had it for a little bit, so I know, like, it's it's just... These are things. It's a shit show. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's crazy. But, um... Anyway, cyber. Draw you back in. All right, so... So, technology, like, it's just so ingrained in our everyday life. It is, and nobody thinks about this shit. So... I'll just give you an example. I was in Lowe's last week, and Lowe's is, you know, one of my, uh, like the like the freaking sponsors of my house. But which your house looks awesome, by the way. Thank I know you've you. Been you working. come drink at it, by the way. It's it's awesome. I've Everybody out there, if you're watching, just come over. Party, party at Brian's. I'll I'll Dude, uh, I will totally host you. Guys. In the description, I'll leave, I'll dox his address for him. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm okay <laughs> with that. I don't even have to be able to show up to my parties anyway. <laughs> but anyway, so. The lady checking me out was like, "Okay, what's your pin number to your to you know to your debit card? Am I giving you that? Like, let that's me see little... the thing. Well, see, I'm saying is like people don't attribute cybersecurity to the COVID crisis because people are getting complacent because they're like, okay, well, I'm going to leave my cybersecurity in the hands of the government and uh, and the employees of private businesses, assuming they're treating my stuff with you know confidentiality." But I had this lady at Lowe's was well, I shouldn't say the business name, but at this at it was at, at this Joe's. store was it at Joe's? At Joe's. It was Joe's. And she was like, "Can I have your pin number for your card so I can?" Write? I was like, "No, you can't really." That's kind of know. a. I don't even know that I would feel comfortable. And she like, was like, "Well, you can't enter on the pin pad because we have it sanitized, and you can't." I was like, oh, "Okay, I'm not. I'm just gonna pay cash." So I ended up paying cash for yeah. it, but still, it's like. 
people don't think about cybersecurity in their daily lives. So people put stuff up on Facebook. Hey, these are my favorite football players. Or, you know, they're going to go to the store to Joe's and they're going to say, okay, well, here's my credit card. Do whatever you want to with it. Or they're going to put their their personal identifying information, such as your you know birthday on Facebook. And people think that birthday is not a big deal if you put it on social media and make it public. That's, that's actually a big deal because if hackers were to find that, they can find your bank account, they can attribute it to a birthday, and for probably less than 20 bucks a month, they can sign up for some program online where they can look your information up. And all you got to do is just match your birthday to it. So, really? you know, for me... Oh, oh. This thing always like cuts off after like 25 minutes. So we're oh, at the 25-minute mark. Um, okay, do it, do so... They can pay for an online service. That'll... You can pay for an online service that'll look your information up. You just got to have a birthday that attribute it to the name, and that's it. Now I can look your name up. Like if I were to look my own name up, Brian Shajeri, and I would say, "Hey, I want to find out his personal information." All I got to do is look up. You know, go to some website that I can pay twenty five bucks a month to. Type in my name, Brian Shajeri, and I can look up my own address, my birthday, and that's all I need right there. So think about how many times you call into a tech support. And they ask for your address and your birthday. I hate that. Exactly. So yeah. just think about that stuff. Think about how much you put out. Think about what you put out on open internet because a lot of that stuff is publicly available. And we don't think about this stuff until it's too late. So well, and and it's, it's, I'm a victim of it myself. Really? Oh, God, yeah. Somebody. Time, yeah. So, so a couple of years ago, I had somebody steal my birthday, my address, because I had it all on the open internet. What and did they do with it? Uh, they ended up trying to open up a bank, or they so they tried to open up a um, um, credit card with it. So they had my birthday, and they were able to research my address. And as a result, the comp the, the 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 credit card company gave them my social security number. And this was five they years. They gave ago. them your social. The last four, they kind of verified everything. Okay, okay. So okay. I mean, they didn't give it to them, but they verified everything because they looked me up. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, my footprint's a little too big. So that's when I started scaling stuff down and erasing my digital footprint. So for those of you who are listening, if you have a digital footprint, the first step, Google yourself. And that sounds stupid, but unless you're in business like we are, you shouldn't have a huge digital footprint out there. Okay. You know, you shouldn't have your birth date scheduled or, you know, published on your social media unless it's, you know, you know, share belong to your friends and stuff like that. Yeah, so. yeah. That's no. insane. Yeah. And um, one of the other things that I'm, me, I'm, I, and I don't want to say like, I'm going to sound like one of those paranoid, but it's not really paranoia. A, I just probably would never use it, but B, I've heard all about those uh, home assistants like Alexa, Google Home. Um, and and there's been some reports that like they're always yeah. listening to you. I'm and, guilty as shit about that. <laughs> so, so is that like a legit thing? Like they're always listening? It's possible. So <clears throat> a lot of people ask me that question. Brian, if I have an Alexa in my home, is that okay? Yes and no. If you have a strong Wi-Fi password on your Wi-Fi at home, obviously you're good. So think of it like your email. Think of your Wi-Fi password as, okay, if I set a weak password, anybody can get in. If I set a weak password on my home Wi-Fi, anybody can get in. And there's ways to do it. And if I were to talk about this stuff to you guys, you'd probably fall asleep within 10 minutes. Sure, but sure. There's ways of hacking simple passwords on so your So what Wi-Fi. if somebody hacks my Wi-Fi, what can they do? They can so they can look at your Wi-Fi devices. They can look at if you have a Nest and I'm speaking from experience because I do. I have a Nest, I have a couple of Lexas and I have a Google 
um, um, little home, speaker thing. Google yeah, uh, Google called. Home yeah, yeah, yeah. in my kitchen. But I have a VPN. I have a virtual private network. Yeah, that kind of ghosts your stuff. Yeah, yeah, and what that does is it scrambles my IP address so nobody can hack my password, so to speak. Um, and they can't find out where I'm really coming from. Yeah. Um, so if you do that stuff, you know, it's a good idea. You know, I don't recommend that, you know, you spend exorbitant amounts of money on VPNs unless you work from home like I do. But the best first step, 90% of the issue is creating a strong Wi-Fi password yeah. for your home Wi-Fi. And do you think, because really, I mean, nobody ever really talks about it or is, like, concerned with it, you know? Like, do you think that's kind of the next step in... in Absolutely. Um, maybe not just, like, hackers stealing your personal stuff, but, like, I've heard about, like, warfare with yeah. other countries, like... We're seeing in Maritime a massive increase in email spoofing and... Um, the dog snoring. Yeah, if you can hear, I'm sorry. <laughs> email spoofing is that like when you get the email from the guy from like the Nigerian prince that says, yeah. "I've inherited four million dollars, and so, I would like to give it away to exactly. you." Exactly. So, for example, <laughs> if you were to hire Brett Sticker for something and it said, "This is from Brett Sticker," but it was spelled B R E T S T I C K E R. The only way to spell <laughs> Brett is with two T's. If you Versus it, two, yeah. If you spell it with one T, you're a communist. So exactly, and that's called <laughs> link manipulation, and that's actually a way that we do stuff. That's how we do penetration testing, giggity. But that's, <laughs> <laughs> but that's how we. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. But that's how we do penetration testing. Is we'll try to spoofy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I turned legitimately. We do penetration <laughs> testing a whole different way. <laughs> I don't know if I can put this on the air. This is. I'm gonna flag this as unsuitable for children. <laughs> so tell me more about your penetration. <laughs> Sorry, we're gonna. Um, all right, resume. <laughs> so tell me more about the uh, penetration. <laughs> so. All right, resume. So pen testing is when we basically... <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's all right. So it's when we spoof an email address. So if I were to say, hey, I'm Brett Sticker, I would spell it B-R-E-T-S-T-I-C-K-E-R, whereas you spell B-R-E-T-T, two Ts. So a lot of people, you know, you're familiar with the Nigerian print scheme. That's when somebody sends you an email and says, hey, my name is so-and-so. I need this amount of money to bail me out of jail, blah, blah, blah. But people are starting to get more smarter now. They're starting to what what we call phishing where or um, um, spear phishing where they will research an individual. So take, for example, me, and I'm not throwing this out there as a practical example, but they're saying, okay, I want to target Brian Shajeri's email address and I want to target his contacts and find out what he's doing, you know, and his job in cybersecurity. So, I want to maybe see who's communicating with him. And I'll go on Facebook. I'll go on LinkedIn or whatever these other social media outlets are. Go to Google, research my name, see who I talk to individually, personally. And I'll say, okay, well, Brian talks to, you know, John Smith. So I'm going to spoof John Smith's email address. And I'm going to say, hey, this is John. Please send me an invoice for this or please send me a response for this. And it'll look legitimate. It'll seem legitimate because these guys are doing legitimate research on us yeah and a lot of people say well God, that's not that's never, never gonna happen to me that's so scary man it's it, it 
It really is. It's not a matter of if, They're but like professional when. stalkers. Almost. It is, and yeah. it's happened to me numerous times. And you know, it's like this was even before I was even in the cybersecurity business. This was six years ago. People were doing this to me, Jeez. and I'm like, I'm just Brian Shajeri, private citizen. Why? Why would you want to target me? So, yeah, if you hack my computer, you're just gonna find <laughs> pictures of motorcycles and video games. With me, it's memes. <laughs> I am a meme lord. Oh, you are. <laughs> You send me, and some of your pictures are like the greatest meme material. Like, I'll take some of your pictures of your like reenactments, and I'm like, oh, this is meme gold right here. I love memes. If you haven't followed me on on uh, social media, Facebook, go to Brian's Meme Emporium and Banter Gallery. You will find me on there. Yeah, let's let's blast that. Uh, you are an incredible memer. Um, what about like those uh, like those you know those IRS scammers who call people? <laughs> I usually reverse engineer them. That's what we do. We like, we'll see it. We'll see it going through. And Blake, you know, Blake, my brother, he, he's incredible with uh, voices, like doing impersonations. Hey, very much, very much. Dude, and he'll do like all different, he'll do Australian, he'll do Indian, he'll do uh, like, uh, he does all these different, uh, like he'll do hillbilly and uh, fuck with these people. If but, you're like, watching. Do not subscribe to that shit because people call you from these numbers out of southern India and they're not legit. And they'll say, my name is John Smith. And I'm like, no, it's not. Hello, my name is Charles Classic. Please click, give me your information. I'm like, okay, and, bro. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and they, uh, they'll they tell you that like... Um, I've had them tell us that like we owe several thousand dollars, and if they don't, they're gonna send the that's police after us. That's the best part, us. dude. That's the best part. And I'm just I love like, that. what are you talking about, man? Like, do you think people legitimately fall for that? Sadly, yes. There really? are so many people that call me on a daily basis and ask me, Brian, should I have given my credit card number to this dude out of Bangladesh or Sri Lanka? And I'm like. Uh, you know, it's so like they, they really do fall for it. There's a lot of people, and there's actually a lot of companies that have fallen for it because there's a lot of private owners ah. that aren't as big as like the corporations I work for, like you work for. I didn't think of that. Yeah, that are like, oh shit, you know, I'm in trouble because you know what? What are the two guarantee things in life? Death and taxes, right? Mm -hmm. So when people hear taxes, especially over the phone, they're like, oh shit, I gotta act now. I got to give them my social. I got to do this. I got to do that. Yeah. And, my dog's um, scratching. Sorry. And no, you're good. And so it's like the first thing I would do is just give them all the info and make it comfortable and make it go away. Make it go away. And yeah. that's why these guys harp on that. And that's why they've they've taken this and they've expounded on it because Jeez. they know we're weak in that area. Do you think they just target the U.S.? They target everywhere. They target the UK. I've I've heard of cases out of Germany, Bahrain, Africa, kind of Mozambique, doing the same thing. All, tell all them they over owe South taxes. Africa. It's it's big in South Africa too. It's big in the UK. Jeez. It it this is a global. You know, people think COVID nineteen is a huge global pandemic. Yes, it is. But when you think about cybersecurity, this is one of the top. I in my personal professional opinion, the top five worst things. Do those guys ever get caught? I mean, how would they get in trouble? They do. I mean, there's there's some legal ramifications, and because they're in a different country, but most they're, often they're, not, they never get caught. Yeah, they're just they just skate by. You know, you'll never know their you know their real name, like you said. Where um, they hey, are? Hi, my name's Charlie Smith with the IRS, and they don't give a badge number or nothing. You know, the only time I've ever interacted with the IRS is when they owe me money, and they always when you're on. First of all. When you're on the phone with them, it's a two-hour wait. Oh, yeah. They never... They, yeah. And they owe me money. So yeah. It's like one of the two. So there's never this instant 
call from them. So yeah, yeah, crazy man. Yeah, but that, if that, I could give a message to anybody, it's just watch what you put online. Don't put your personal shit out there. Don't put your birthday. Don't put stuff personal. It's it's what we call in the government sector personally. I personally identifying information. So. Yeah, the less. The less you put, the better. Dilly yeah, dilly. I'm pretty. Uh, I'm pretty judicial with what I share online. Uh, typically, it's work stuff or. I know I can't even tag you. This dumbassery of podcasting. <laughs> that's about the extent of it. Because uh, I just, it's and it's not that like, you know, I don't want to share stuff, but I'm just a, I'm kind of afraid like people are gonna yeah. find stuff out about me and I don't even share uh, any I mean you probably saw recently I've taken a break from from social media I, I just post the history factoid of the day or or just kind of stuff I'm doing at home or if I'm at the golf course that's yeah. it speaking of what is your favorite historical event my favorite ever. historical event ever, ever in the history of the entire wow that's a good question because I know you love history you're history buff if you if you had to pick one historical event that you love to read man, about man World War II that's your and, favorite I'll say that because World War One shaped the world somewhat, but we kind of went into in the Western powers went into sort of a kind of uh, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Kind of a a very familiar way of doing stuff with 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 regards to tyranny and stuff. Yeah. Um, but when World War Two came around, we were very caught off guard. We didn't listen, you know, as as an analyst for the government, we didn't listen to analysis. We didn't listen to intelligence reports. We didn't listen to threat analysis. Yeah. And so me personally, that's a big thing because that's what I do. And so <clears throat> World War II is a lot of lessons learned that we still use today in the military. We still use a lot of the, a lot of the battle tactics, a lot of the intelligence tactics that were learned during the war. We still use to this day in our teachings. And, you know, I, I have friends in the German military, and they're probably listening right now. And you know, we we always bounce these ideas off of each other, and it's so great that I can come together with these guys and say, "Hey, during the war, when we were at war with each other, this is what we learned from you know our side. What do you you know what do you think?" And I think having that generational connection with some of my German military friends that are still serving in the Bundeswehr, which is a German military, you know we can bounce ideas off each other and say, hey, this is how we can prevent this stuff from happening again. This is how we can prevent our Holocaust. This is how we can prevent another tyrannical regime from raising again, stuff like that. So if anybody would ever ask me what my favorite historical event was in history, it would be World War II. And it's simply because from the learning aspect, from how we can learn from each other. Yeah, so. and ties in, yeah, your your area of expertise. Absolutely, so. yeah. So Dig it. Very cool. Well, Brian, Brian Shazeri. Dilly dilly. Appreciate it. <laughs> Cheers. Brian's Meme Emporium. Look it up on Facebook. Are you on Instagram? Brian's I, Meme. I think I am. He may be. Be Shazeri. Just look me up. To look him up. Uh, thank you for coming on. It was always a pleasure, and we will definitely have you back. So Heck yeah, brother. That's Thanks it. For Episode me. nine with Brian Shazeri. Thank you, sir. If you haven't fallen asleep yet, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, guys. Wonderful.